by asking three questions. First question is this. Would you say that today our culture, our society, is more open or less open to the message of Jesus Christ? Let's say since 1980, 1990. More open? Less open? Okay. How about the uh, Hollywood's portrayal of Christians in the past 20 years? uh, More positive or less positive? Less positive, okay. So do you, what do you feel like kind of forecasting for the next 10, 15 years? Do you feel like there will be more openness to the message of Christ or less openness, let's say, over the next decade? More? Less? Downhill. Yeah, it kind of seems like... more. If every one of us has the ripple effect, we start right here. And I think that there's hope for that there's more. Because I have many friends that have been persecuting... And, you know, as Christians, we need to be persecuted as part of being Christians. So this modern persecution, I think, is starting to slow down. And I see more people coming on board. That's my thought. Did you study ahead? No. Okay. Um, well, it, it, looks like things, it looks like things are trending more negative for the U.S. right now. We know the ultimate end of the story, and so we, we can have a lot of hope. But there are definitely pockets, and we want to be one of those pockets where there is a beacon. We want to be one of those. And so that's why it's going to be helpful today, because what we're going to do is we're going to see how the apostles dealt with opposition, how they dealt dealt, uh, with being attacked, rejected, uh, resisted against. We're going to see how they handled it. And and by looking at that, we're going to come away, I, I hope you can come away with three important things to remember when sharing the message of Christ. So hopefully you'll be able to get that from today. And what I want to do is I want to uh, start by getting the PowerPoint to click open for me. So we'll wait for that. But three important things. And so by reviewing, we're going to start in Acts chapter 4. And I want to ask you to turn there with me today. Acts chapter 4. And if you remember, let me give you a little review. Before Christ ascended, he had given his disciples a uh, commission or a mission to, to follow. And that was that they would be witnesses of him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utmost parts of the world. And so we're in chapter 4, and they're still in Jerusalem. They're still in that beginning part. But if you remember that... Here, just within uh, a few days, about 5,000 people had already been added to the church in just a few days. That first message, Peter's first sermon, 3,000 souls were saved. And then if you remember, Peter and John went into the temple and healed that man that had been crippled for 40 years. And as a result of that, 2,000 more came to Christ. And so... Uh, as we kind of left off last time, you remember it caused such a stir in the temple that the uh, religious leaders were all freaked out and upset. And so what they did was they arrested Peter and John. And that's kind of where we left off was with Peter and John being arrested. And it said it was around 3 o'clock. And so it was, or, and so it was getting too late. Uh, that's when they went in there. It was around 3 o'clock, so it was probably like 6 o'clock. 
something when they were arrested. And so it was a little bit too late for them to have that hearing. It was actually illegal for them to, to do a trial in the evening, which they did do for Jesus Christ. And so they weren't supposed to be doing that. So that's where we're going to pick up in chap, uh, chapter 4. And again, I want to ask you, I'm going to put it up on the screen, but I want to ask you to uh, read along with me because and have your Bibles because as we go through the message, I'm going to be referring back to other verses and kind of hopping around some of the verses that won't be on the screen. So I'm going to read this, verses 1 through 31. It's quite a reading here. And then we will uh, pray one more time and then talk about this a little bit. And James, would you mind flipping the slide for me? Because I'm just going to read from, from here. It said, Now as they spoke to the people, the priest... The captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day, that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in their midst, they asked, By what power or what name have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has, and by what means has he been made well? Well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole today. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that, that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out to the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do, these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them, is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so as that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. Interesting, they don't even want to say the name of Jesus. They, but... So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them, because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, 
You are God who made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that is within them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the nations rage? Why did the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you. I thank you for a chance to be together. I thank you for this passage. Father, I pray that you would help us to learn from your apostles, from these scriptures, how to handle opposition, how to be witnesses of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would not only show us that and give us that information, that knowledge, but that you would also begin to increase the passion in our own hearts for spreading the message of your Son. Pray that you would do that individually to us today through your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so again, we're going to just kind of cover three things that we need to remember, that we need to keep in mind as we share the message of Jesus Christ. And so the first thing that we need to remember is we need to expect opposition, right? Even Christ had let us know and let them know that they need to expect rejection and resistance. If you have your notes there, I think it, it, you have a, two blanks. It would be to expect rejection and resistance. I'm going to go through and, and read some verses here. But we do need to make sure that we're ready for, for that. So this is Christ talking to his disciples, his apostles, before he was crucified. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now that's not a very fun, right? I'm going to send you out like a sheep among a bunch of wolves. Doesn't that sound like kind of a dangerous uh, mission he's sending us on? Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought here before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Can you imagine these apostles remembering those words maybe as they were standing there with all these officials around going, oh, he said this would happen. Then the confidence that that would fill them with to know that Christ had foretold that these things would happen. And so the reality is, is we're going to see, this is kind of like just the spark that ignites a, a, a persecution that we're going to end up seeing going on and on through Acts. And so this is kind of like the opening scene of persecution against Christians. But Christ had foretold of it. In John 15, 18 to 20, he says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. 
Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. John 16, 2 says, they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Now that's interesting, isn't it? That these people, it's not, they're so off base that they actually think that they are doing something good for God. And we could even see that in our own society today, that there are people who, in the name of spirituality or maybe another God, feel like they are doing something good by shutting down the message of Jesus Christ. And it's really important for us to remember the reality that Christ foretold these things because he did not want his followers to be surprised. And he didn't want his followers to be surprised because wouldn't that kind of derail you if, if it was some big shock to Christ? Wouldn't you naturally be thinking, I must be doing something all wrong? I never knew that there was going to be any opposition. It must be me. I just must be the world's biggest loser or the, the, the world's worst Christian because here I am suffering opposition and resistance and rejection in my stand for Jesus Christ. How kind and how, how gracious of God to say, hey, I just want to let you know ahead of time. You don't have to doubt your identity. You don't have to doubt the mission that you've been on. Do you think Jesus was filled with self-doubt when they were criticizing him? Do you think he was going, oh, man, I wonder if I've done something wrong here? I wonder if I'm delivering the message wrong. Oh, I wonder if I'm really on the wrong mission. Well, he doesn't want us to be filled with that doubt either. He wants us to be sound in who he's made us. And even in the face of opposition, even when our culture is telling us we're a bunch of knuckleheads or uh, geeks or freaks or whatever it is, he wants us to stand confident. He forewarned that there was going to be persecution. So one of the things that's important is for us to remember we need to, that there is going to be opposition. If we're going to be sharing the message of Christ and letting people know about Jesus Christ, we have to remember that there is going to be opposition. Next, that the scriptures forewarned of the people's response to Christ. And this is, Peter even mentions these things as he's talking here. Well, actually, Luke wrote these things about what Peter was saying. And he mentions some of the things that, that Peter even had, had brought up. This is the stone which was rejected by you, builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. So even before Christ predicted it, the scriptures predicted it, that people were going to reject Jesus Christ. Now, rejection is a tough thing for us to deal with a lot of times, isn't it? We want everybody to like us, everybody to think we're awesome. We have a tough time with rejection. But the scriptures pointed to the fact that even Christ would be rejected even though he's the chief cornerstone, the very one that everything's built on. I mean, do you think if they're going to reject the chief cornerstone, the one that everything is built on, or some people would say the capstone, like the very pinnacle, do you think it's uh, understandable that we get rejected? Yeah. And even the scriptures had predicted that. So we need to be ready for rejection, not take it as a personal commentary 
on, on what idiots we are or what losers or what bad Christians or that we must be delivering the message wrong. And I, let me just preface that with the reality that we don't want to be a bunch of self-righteous idiots either. We don't want to be uh, beating people over the head with the Bible or acting like, you know, we, we, we never sin or our battle with sin is over. Or we don't get tempted or that's, that's called being hypocritical. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lie. It's an act. And so we don't want to do that, but we also need to realize a lot of the times the resistance and opposition has nothing to do with us. Scripture foretold that there would be rejection. And then also in the, in the chapter we're reading, uh, Peter in the prayer there, where they're praying together, they said, they refer back to what David had said in Psalm 2. Why did the nations rage, the people plot vain things, the kings of the earth took their stand, the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. And here he names some names that would, uh, to kind of give uh, specific concrete examples of that. And he said, Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, and people of Israel. And so he, he goes through and he starts saying, hey, these scriptures were fulfilled. Look at these bigwigs. Look at these political uh, authorities that are actually raging against Jesus Christ. And that uh, kind of goes to our next point. Opposition often comes from people of authority, doesn't it? The opposition to the message of Christ is coming from authority, places of authority. Think about it. Where does the most resistance come from? Media, right? Government. I mean, you look at media, meaning social media, and who controls the Internet. I mean, there's articles every single day about, you know, how you know, Twitter or Facebook won't allow this, but they do allow this. There's a resistance there coming from an authority or a powerful place. Think about government. Go, go into the, the public school and say, salvation is by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. By a place of authority will resist and oppose that message, right? comes from places of authority. Think about the people that carry the most weight in our society, the stars, the most popular people, the people that we would say have a little bit of clout or authority. And so it's important for us to remember that he stated it way back in Scripture, even before Christ came to the earth, hey, the nations, the authorities, the kings are going to rage against the message of Jesus Christ. In fact, we're told, Paul talks about, that the message of Jesus Christ is foolishness to those who are perishing. So people will see, see the message or hear the message of Jesus Christ and think, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I have to, I have to admit that I'm a sinner and that I need charity from God and that I don't have it in myself? Yeah. That's offensive to people. The message of Jesus Christ offends people, especially people of power and people of clout. And so again, the, the one thing we have to remember is we have to remember to expect resistance, respect, expect rejection, opposition. And last, God's authority surpasses all others. So in that, remembering what our authority said, what did these guys say? They said, hey, when they said, you can't keep preaching in Jesus' name. No more of that. They said, 
Okay, let me ask you. Should we listen to you or should we listen to God? You be the judge. God is our highest authority. And a lot of people will use this, this message for, uh, you know, t they use it for, for reasons to stand against government if government does something in opposition to the scriptures. And, and I think there is a case to be made for that. But I also would note that these guys did this in a really humble way, a nonviolent way. They did it in a way that they were willing to take the punishments that came to them. And so, but they were dead set on who they needed to recognize as their authority. And I'll tell you, I can have even a little bit of personal experience when I look back being a public school teacher and feeling the pressure not to mention the name of Jesus Christ. And there were times I cr crossed that line and boldly spoke about Jesus Christ and what I believe about Jesus Christ. And I'm sure I could have gotten in some trouble for that. But I know there were also times when I chickened out. And I, I hate to say, those are some of my biggest regrets to this day. And I have a lot of stuff I regret. But those are some of the things that stand out is, is going, why weren't you more bold in that instance? But we need to be able to expect opposition. It's going to happen. It's, it's not a matter of if there will be opposition to the message. It's a matter of when. And so we need to, if you're going to be bold for Jesus Christ, it's important for you to, to know that and to not cower at opposition or not take it as uh, a personal affront to you, but to know, hey, those who've been faithful to the message of Jesus Christ have been opposed. And the next thing, the second thing we, we need to remember is that we have the hope that everyone needs. If we're going to be bold in sharing the message of Jesus Christ, we need to, to, to remember and keep in mind, we have the answer that everybody's looking for. I mean, think about that. We're not talking about we have a message uh, uh, of some new laundry soap that really does help get the stains out. I mean, sometimes we're more bold about that, right? We're more bold about a product we've tried, like, oh, man, you should check this out. It's so incredible. And we're more hyped about that than the reality that we have the message that a dying, broken world needs. We need to keep that in mind. And one of the things we need to remember is our, our Savior's healing power is undeniable. His power is undeniable. He healed this man, didn't he, back in chapter 4? And you know what? They could say nothing against it. And then God has worked in your lives, and Christ has brought healing to you. I know, because I know a lot of your stories. He's saved marriages in here. He's given us, freed us from bitterness. He's freed us from uh, lives of slavery and addiction. And we have been uh, recipients of God's grace and God's healing power in one way, shape, or form. And that is undeniable. And so when there are critics, when there are those who oppose, we can stand boldly and say, you know what you can't deny is that he changed my life. And I can personally attest to that. My life would be in the toilet, down the sewer. Not even headed for a sewer treatment plant without Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, just septic tank life. 
spiritual death, emotional death, relational death, probably physical death, if it were not for Jesus Christ. That's undeniable. That's my personal experience of God transforming, healing me. And it's not just me, because I know you guys, and I know he's done it for you guys. And he's given you guys victory, where you should be crushed to powder and dust. But God's doing something beautiful in your lives and transforming you and making you strong in places where you were weak. We need to remember our Savior's healing power is undeniable. And that's how these guys, that's how these guys presented it. They said, what are you going to do? You're going to arrest us for healing a guy? For the wrong that we did? And they don't even want to mention, they don't want to give attention, and that's what people will do for you. You say, like, no, it's Christ. Like, oh, no, it's probably just the diet you're on, or no, you just come from a good family. No. And that's what these guys are, they, they don't even want to mention the name of Christ. By whose name have you done this? They knew whose name they had done that. And so we need to remember that, that our Savior's healing power is undeniable. I can personally, He has done it. That's a matter of fact. And so we can stand on that when there's resistance. Salvation comes from him and no other. So when, when Peter's talking to these guys, he says this. He says, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders. I'm in verse 11, which, builder, which has become the chief cornerstone. He says, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's the only way to salvation is through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's the message that we have that the world needs. And you know what's interesting? Who's Paul pre or, uh, Peter preaching to here? The exact people who were opposing him. The people who oppose us and oppose the message of Christ, they need the message of Christ. Whether they know it or not, agree with it or not, Jesus Christ is their only hope. We have to remember that. We have the answer to our neighbor's problems. We have the hope for our co-workers' future because we have the good news and the truth about Jesus Christ. And so the second thing we need to remember is that we have the good news and we should be bold to share it because it's the message and the truth that everybody needs. And it's not a message of a great church. It's not a message of cool saints. It's not a message of good behavior. It's a message of a person, Jesus Christ, that saves us from our sins, who rescues us. It's not church attendance, it's not reading your Bible, it's not duty, it's not obligation. It's a message of a Savior, a rescuer, Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. The Catholic Church won't save you, the saints won't save you, Mother Mary won't save you, being good won't save you, but Jesus Christ is the only one who will save you. And He's alive and He's real, and He is alive and well today able to give salvation to us and to our neighbors and our friends and our enemies in Hollywood and everybody else. We need to remember that. That will fill us with boldness, won't it? 
A third thing we need to remember is to rely on God for boldness. You might want to go out of here and go, I'm going to go tell everybody. And then trip and fall and that darn pastor, man, it's his fault. But you can see in the passage here that these guys were relying on Christ for their boldness, relying on the spiritual, uh, the Holy Spirit for their boldness. Spiritual power comes from the Holy Spirit. This is one of the same passages we looked at earlier, but before I even go to that, I just want to remind you what happened here. It said in um, in verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and we've heard that already a couple times. So he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't just go hype himself up, you know, go have a couple Red Bulls, slap himself in the face and go, Here I go. I'm going to get out there and preach it. No, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> we need to remember that that uh, s- spiritual power comes from the Holy Spirit. And so remember what Christ had, had said. This is the second part of that. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. We read this just a bit ago. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and scourge you in the synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Here's the part we didn't read. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. We start thinking, I need to plan out. What am I going to say? What am I going to do, right? That's relying on us. Don't plan that out, for it will be given to you in that hour. Oh, man, people who like to prepare the planners here hate to hear that. (laughs) right? How am I going to make a PowerPoint if I don't have it before? (laughs) Don't worry about what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit to be bold. It's scary to to talk about Jesus Christ, isn't it? Am I the only one that sometimes gets a little chicken? No, I don't think so. It can sometimes be scary, and so we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to grant us that boldness. It's good for us to remember there's going to be opposition. It's good for us to remember we have the answer of hope that everyone really needs, but we also need to remember that that boldness does not come from in us, it comes from the Holy Spirit. We need to remember that God can take us beyond our own abilities. To me, this is good news. I don't feel like a particularly uh, dynamic person, talented person, uh, and I'm not just trying to be like, oh, I'm just, you know, please give me a compliment. I'm just not that talented. Uh, g- genuinely, I mean, I'm an average guy. And, and a lot of us are just average folks. But God can take average people and do something dynamic with them. He didn't ask them to come up with some awesome gimmick, right? He didn't, he didn't ask them to take a class and, and to, to, you know, have some personality training or, or any of those things. He didn't say, you know what you need to do before you can share this message is, I want you guys to go to seminary and know everything perfectly before... You share the message. No, God takes them beyond their own abilities. Peter, just 45 or 50 days before this, less than two months before this, he denied Christ. I don't know him. To a little slave girl. And now he's standing 
in front of this council. I didn't mention this when I said authority, <coughs> opposition comes from authority. This is the same group that, were, that held Jesus Christ on trial. Do you think that would be a little nerve-wracking? And then here you are standing up for him? I mean, knowing what, how that all ended up? And it says the chief priest, it says that it was basically the captain of the chief, the, the police guard there, the temple police. It, it talked about these guys, Annas and, and uh, the others, Caiaphas and the others. That's kind of like the old crony, like the, the long history line, the big wigs, the big guys of big reputation that were all there. And then the council that they were standing before, the Sanhedrin, that's essentially the Senate and like the the judicial branch of Israel. It was the chief priest along with 70 others. That's who they're standing for. That would be a little scary, right? But Peter stands up boldly before these guys. Whereas before, a little slave girl asked him, weren't you guys hanging out with him? He uses, throws out some swear words. Blank, no, I was going to be blah, blah, blah. And, and runs off. God can take us beyond our own abilities. And then it says there, 2 and verse 13, it says, They saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men. Some, some versions read things that make it sound like they were just, uh, I don't know how to say it, but that they weren't intelligent, like they were very unintelligent. That's not what the, the point here is, that more that they did not have all the big Bible training background seminary they weren't seminary taught but yet they were holding their own against these religious scriptural professionals and so we need to remember that god can take us beyond our own abilities in giving the message and so you might think well i don't want to talk to that guy or that gal like you know they're way smarter than me they're way cooler than me well god can take us beyond our own abilities so we need to rely on God to give us boldness because he can do something big through regular people. That's how God usually likes to work, right? And we need to remember to pray for boldness. I think it's so interesting here. They had just, what I would look at as a victory. Wouldn't you kind of look at that as going, man, they should be patting themselves on the back. They should just be throwing a party for themselves. And they do. They praise God. It says they went to their own companions and reported it all, and they raised their voice with one accord, and they're praising God for this experience. But you know what they're not doing? Is they're not writing on their past success. They pray for more boldness. They ask God for more boldness, more opportunities. Help us to display and declare your works. That's important for us to remember, isn't it? To not just be, we should always be wanting more opportunities to share the message of Christ. And we should always realize that we're desperate for boldness. And not think, well, I'm bold enough. I took an apologetics class. I listened to Ravi Zacharias. I'm ready. I don't need any more boldness. We need to be humble and to realize that we need boldness that comes from God. We need new opportunities to share the message of Jesus Christ. So as, as we see here, I mean, you can see it in the verses, these 31 verses we looked at today, that God gives His servants 
boldness to display and declare the excellencies of Christ. And these guys were displaying the awesomeness of Christ, weren't they? They weren't just talking about it. They were displaying it. But they weren't just displaying it. They were talking about it. And the truth of the matter is that you and I have our faith, have our salvation because somebody before was bold enough to speak the truth about Jesus Christ. Otherwise, the message would have been snuffed out by now. Someone in your life or someone in your family's life at some point shared the message of Jesus Christ and they were bold enough to do that. That's the only reason we have the message that we have now is because someone was bold enough to do that. We need to remember that. And the reality is that you know he is the hope that everybody needs. He, you know, we have the message that everybody needs, and it says in Scripture, it says, how will they believe if they haven't heard? <coughs> They're not going to believe if they don't hear. It's important for us to actually speak out the messages of Christ and be in a lifestyle testimony and just, you know, displaying Jesus Christ is good, and we need to do that. But there's more to it because unless they actually hear the message of Christ, no one's going to hang out with you and think you're awesome and get saved unless you tell them the message of Jesus Christ. And to share the message of Jesus Christ is going to require some boldness because it's easy for us to be afraid. And so that reality is the message depends on us. I mean, the, not the message depends on us, but that continuing it, to, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ is dependent on the believers of Jesus Christ. Right? And he's handed that responsibility off to us. That's what this book of Acts, I believe, is about, is making Christ known. Where you started, and kind of as Mark said, you, you start here. That's where they started, right where they were at, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the utmost part. But it's important for us to be sharing Jesus Christ with others, even now. And I think it'll help if we just if we kind of keep those three things in mind and, and we expect some opposition, right? And that we remember that we have the hope that everyone needs and that we remember that. And then that we remember to rely on the Holy Spirit's power. We rely on boldness coming from Him, not just our own hype or our own personalities or our own abilities, but that we realize that power to share Jesus Christ comes from Jesus Christ. I think if we remember those things, that puts us in a humble state so that we will be ready to share the good news and the hope of salvation that everyone so desperately needs to those around us. I'm praying that God uses this walk through Acts to ignite or to reignite or to fan the flame in my own heart uh, just to, to, to make me passionate about sharing the message of Jesus Christ. And I'm praying that he does the same thing for you guys, that we wouldn't just kind of sit back and hope everyone else is doing that work, but we would realize we also been given the call to make Jesus Christ known. That's what he wants the church to be doing through the way that we act and the things that we say. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious Son, and we do recognize that salvation is through Him and Him alone. We thank you for bringing us that message of salvation through others who went before us, that were bold. I pray that you would make us 
this group that's here today, these very people, these individuals, each person sitting here today, more bold for your son, myself included, Father. I know that a lot of that starts with enjoying a relationship with your son. Help us to enjoy that, to experience life through him, and that we would be just naturally excited to share that good news with, with others, not out of obligation or duty, but that we would just genuinely be so excited that we would not be able to be quiet about the good news of your son. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. Pray that you'd bless and protect each person as they go out of here and uh, that you would allow them to just enjoy you throughout the week. And we pray these things in your precious son's name. Amen.